Thanks for tuning in to the Change Church podcast. We believe change is more than a church. It's a culture. And we are living out our purpose so that others can find theirs. We hope that this message encourages and inspires you. Now, here's Ashley Hollis. Last week, Elijah kicked off our series, That Was Church, This Is Change. And we really kind of took this time and we want to define what is change? What are our core values? What are we founded upon? And how do we live that out in our everyday life? And Elijah shared last week how we built a coffee cart when we were first launching change. And we took the coffee cart out and we just began to talk to people. And we were like, so tell us about your life. So what's your experience been with God? So, have you encountered the church? Have you gone to the church? Do you go to church? And so we just got to talk to people. We got to see where people were at. And it was incredible. And I think that's where we kind of coined the phrase, that was church, this is change. Never to slam another church. Never to say, oh, well, we're going to do this or that. Simply to say, we as a church are being extremely intentional about re um, restructuring the way people encounter Jesus and redefining what they think of his love in the church. And we want to be incredibly intentional about that. And so Elijah shared last week all about revealing heaven on earth. And how do we reveal heaven as we leave the church? Because we meet here on a Sunday morning, but when we go out, how do we reveal heaven? And so he shared about that last week. And if you were not here, get the podcast, check it out on YouTube. It was a phenomenal, phenomenal message. But today I'm going to share, that was church, this is change, life-giving community. We're going to talk about tribes. We're going to talk about the friends that you have and the friend that you are that we're called to be. Man, Christ demonstrated the greatest love when he sacrificed himself for us. That's why we are the friends that we are because of what he did for us. And then he goes on in the Bible and he says, the greatest love you can have is to lay down your life for a friend. And so I want to talk today about being that kind of friend, about finding your tribe. And I, I, um, I feel like as I was praying through this, In today's society, we live to make an impression, not for genuine connection. How many of you find that to be true? Like, we live our lives, and we're just like, I just, wanna, I just want you to know who I am. I don't really want to know you. Sometimes we're scared to get connected. And in this day and age, my goodness, we have everything we could ever have to get connected. We have social media. We have texting. We have calls. You know, I laugh sometimes because when people call me, and if I don't answer, then they'll text me. Hey, just checking that you got my missed call. And then I'll get another text. Hey, did this come through? Or now have you noticed how you can just accentuate them? Like you can just put a question mark on it. Like you don't even have to retype a message. You can just like ding somebody again, you know? Does anybody remember the days where we weren't that connected? Like if I wasn't home, you couldn't call me? Like you actually had to leave a voicemail And I had to come home and push the little button on the machine. And it was like, you have three messages. And then you would listen to the messages. We have gotten so connected because of social media and cell phones and television. And we know everything happening around the world. In 0.5 seconds, we know everything. But in this day and age of connection, why then are we more disconnected than we've ever been? You know, I feel like 
A lot of it comes back, and I'm a huge advocate for social media. I believe it can absolutely transform the world. But I believe that if we're not cautious, social media causes us to create a facade. A facade that if somebody gets too close to us, you might know the real me. You might know who I really am. So I just want you to know my highlight reel. I don't want you to see the behind the scenes. I don't want to get into the messy part. I just want to keep up this facade. And so therefore, we distance ourselves from relationships. Or maybe for you, it's a trust issue. Maybe you've had a relationship and something went wrong and something went south. And you trusted somebody and you believed it was going to be different. And then that trust was broken. You know, trust is something that's slow to gain and quick to break, isn't it? And sometimes we'll have these issues and we'll think, well, I don't know if I can trust you because someone else did this to me. And so what if our friendship ends the way that friendship did? Because I want this friendship to work. But sometimes there's fear in today's society that we don't connect and I want to start looking out at David and Jonathan in 1 Samuel 18. I want to read 1 Samuel 18, 1 through 4, and then I want to skip ahead to chapter 20. And I pray today's sermon is something that can inspire you to create community, but can also equip you to build relationships. I prayed all week while I was preparing, God, let this not be something where it's like, wow, that was great. All right, here we go, Monday morning. And then Monday you wake up and you're like, bah, same thing. I pray that today inspires you to make connections and it also equips you to connect and to build relationships. And so in 1 Samuel 18, verses 1 through 4, it says, After David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as himself. From that day, Saul kept David with him and did not let him return to his father's house. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and gave it to David, along with his tunic and even his sword, his bow, and his belt. We find these two people, Jonathan and David. And just to give you a little backstory on what's happening in this moment, Saul was Jonathan's father. And Saul had been the king of Israel, and he was the reigning king. And because of disobedience, God was removing his blessing, removing his favor from Saul. And so Saul would be the last king in his lineage. And now God was appointing David as king. And so we find ourselves in this moment where Saul is super jealous, right? Because Saul's like, yo, like this guy is stealing the kingdom from me. Like he knows that God is setting him up to be king. And we find Jonathan, who's Saul's son. So Jonathan is heir to the throne. Here he finds himself. But now David is going to be taking the throne that was to be his had God's favor rested on that. And when we move ahead to chapter 20, we find Jonathan and David have this bond of friendship. This bond that like you just feel like you connect. Like sometimes you have that with people. Do you ever have that where you're just like, we just get each other. Like it's just easy friendship. Like something in your hearts just connects. Like it's just, it's just there. And so in chapter 20, we move ahead and we're going to skip down to verse 
18, and, and we find Jonathan and David, and they're talking, and they're friends, and they're like, okay, so David's like, listen, I have to leave because your father is so upset with me. He's going to kill me. Jonathan's like, no, don't even worry. My father would never do that. Oh, my goodness. And then we pick up right here, chapter 20, verse 18. It says, then Jonathan said to David, tomorrow is the new moon festival. You will be dismissed because your seat will be empty, or you will be missed because your seat will be empty. The day after tomorrow, toward evening, go to the place where you hid where this, when this trouble began and wait by the stone Ezel. I will shoot three arrows to the side of it, as though I were shooting at a target. Then I will send a boy and say, go find the arrows. If I say to him, look, the arrows are on this side of you, bring them here. Then come, because as surely as the Lord lives, you are safe. There is no danger. But if I say to the boy, look, the arrows are beyond you, then you must go because the Lord has sent you away. And about the matter you and I discussed, remember, the Lord is witness between you and me forever. So David hid in the field. And when the new moon festival came, the king sat down to eat. He sat in his customary place by the wall opposite Jonathan and Abner sat next to Saul. But David's place was empty. And Saul said nothing that day for he thought, Something must have happened to David to make him ceremonially unclean. Surely he is unclean. But the next day, the second day of the month, David's place was empty again. Then Saul said to his son, Jonathan, why hasn't the son of Jesse come to the meal, either yesterday or today? Jonathan answered, David earnestly asked me for permission to go to Bethlehem. He said, let me go because our family is observing a sacrifice in the town and my brother has ordered me to be there. If I have found favor in your eyes, let me get away to see my brothers. That is why he has not come to the king's table. Saul's anger flared up at Jonathan, and he said to him, You son of perverse and rebellious women, don't I know that you have sided with the son of Jesse to your own shame and to the shame of the mother who bore you? As long as the son of Jesse lives on the earth, neither you nor your kingdom will be established. Now send and bring him to me, for he must die. Why should he be put to death? What has to be, why has this be done? Jonathan asked his father. But Saul hurled his spear to him to kill him. Then Jonathan knew that his father intended to kill David. Jonathan got up from the table in fierce anger. On the second day of the month, he did not eat because he was grieved at his father's shameful treatment of David. In the morning, Jonathan went out to the field for his meeting with David. He had a small boy with him, and he said to the boy, run and find the arrows I shoot. As the boy ran, he shot an arrow and be, an arrow beyond him. When the boy came to the place where Jonathan's arrow had fallen, Jonathan called out after him, Isn't the arrow beyond you? Then he shouted, Hurry, go quickly, don't stop. The boy picked up the arrow and returned to his master. The boy knew nothing of all this. Only Jonathan and David knew. Then Jonathan gave his weapons to the boy and said, Go, carry them back to the town. After the boy had gone, David got up from the south side of the stone and bowed down before Jonathan three times with his face to the ground. Then they kissed each other and wept together, but David kept wept the most. Jonathan said to David, go in peace, for we have sworn friendship with each other in the name of the Lord, saying the Lord is witness between you and me and between your descendants and my descendants forever. Then David left and Jonathan went back to the town. 
we find Jonathan and David here. And I think sometimes we read Bible stories and we're like, oh, yeah, we know what's going to happen. And, you know, God moved from Saul to David and David became king and da 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 da. And, and we just know the end of the story because we get to read the whole book. But I wonder what would happen if we put ourselves at this moment in David's shoes. Because your, your best friend, Jonathan, his father is out to kill you. And now you have this friend that you're bonded with, right, that you're connected with, but it's somebody that you're like, can I trust them? Can I really trust? Would that cross your mind? Can I really trust Jonathan because of what his father wants? And now I'm waiting in a field. What do I do? But they had the friendship. They had that bond. God had connected them together as friends. And I want to talk to us today about finding our tribe, finding a tribe that we can trust. Because I, I think that we as a church have to be very cautious that we're not just good friends, we're godly friends. And sometimes we can be good friends, and I can call you, and I can text you, and I can be like, oh my word, have an awesome day. Oh my word, super cool. Like, that's how I would talk. And I also text like I talk. Does anyone else do that? So my texts are books, like book, like, oh, my word. So the other day I was thinking, da, da, da. And then do you ever get people who write back, okay, sounds good. And I'm like, sounds good. Does it really sound good? Are you super excited about it? Oh, my word. Add a few more exclamation points. Like, it's so funny. But I feel like we can be good friends without having that godly bond. And that's why we have to say, what kind of tribe, what kind of friend does God design us to be? And so in finding your tribe in today's society where we're more connected yet still more distant, number one, I think, is that we have to evaluate the tribe you're in. I think that as we're walking in our friendships and as we're walking in our tribes, you need to evaluate who your friends are. Who is speaking into your life? Are they people that you can trust? Are they people that are pouring into your dreams? Are they people that are speaking life into you? You know, there's times that God's called me to things, and it's been big dreams, and it's been scary sometimes, and it's been things that I've gone to some of my closest friends with. And I read this quote one time, and the quote said, we need more people who will pour gasoline on the passions and desires or dreams of our hearts, and people who will pour water on our fears of failure in the future. We need to surround ourselves with those kinds of people that are going to pour gasoline. They're going to speak life into our dreams. They're going to say, you can do this. God's called you to this. You need people that you can trust, that when the situation gets crazy and things don't make sense and you find yourself in this Jonathan and David moment, you need people in your life that can come around you and that can speak life into you and that can speak scripture into you and that can pray over you. You know, I believe 100 million percent in every word of this Bible, every last one of them. But my favorite scripture of all is where it says the power of life and death are in the tongue. Because I, I am a positive person. Like, if you're around me for a hot second, you will know. If you tell me, like, the whole building's on fire, I'm like, oh, 
but praise the Lord, we got most of the things out. Like, I just want to find the most positive in everything. But I, it's not just because I want to be positive. It's not just because it's easy, because it's more fun. Like, it's not that. It's because I 100% believe that scripture. I believe that we have the power of life and death in our tongue. And what I speak over this church is going to come to be, whether it's life or whether it's death. What you speak over your life is going to come to be, whether it's life or whether it's death. And what you allow people to speak into your life is life or death. And so that's why I am so mindful of how my tribe surrounds me. Do I have a lot of friends? Absolutely. But I would challenge you to evaluate your tribe. Who's around you? Who's speaking into your life? And what are they speaking into your life? Do you leave encouraged? Do you leave ready to dream? Do you leave ready to pursue what God has for you? Or do you leave down? Do you leave discouraged? Because you know, my dad taught me this so much. Hurt people hurt people. Sometimes I would get really hurt. And my dad is just a, a very big realist, if you've ever met my dad. He just tells you like it is. And so I'm like, Dad, this is crazy. And somebody said this, and it hurt so bad. And he was always like, Ash, hurt people hurt people. There's always a story behind a story. If somebody's mad and upset, there's a story behind the story. That's why we as a church are a church of conversations. Because if, if I say something and you come at me, well, there's probably a reason for that. And so I would challenge you which people are in your tribe and which people are you allowing to speak into your life. The second thing you have to do is define your tribe. Define the values by which you live, by which your friendships are going to encounter. Jonathan and David, I love this example because it just it blew my mind so much, the trust that was there but also the faithfulness that was there. You have Jonathan who was willing to set aside everything that he was to inherit, everything he was going to gain for himself. He set that aside to pray for and speak into David because he knew the calling that God had on David's life. That was the values. Does it say in the Bible, this is the values by which he lived? No, because if you're living your values right, you don't have to speak your values. Your values speak for you. And that's why as a church, when we first set this church up, man, it was like a dream. It was nothing. We were like pushing a coffee cart around the city. Like, let's just go get to meet people. Let's go connect. One of the first things we did was develop core values because that became the filter through which everything else went. That's why one of our core values at Change as we're preaching through these is relationship over regimen because God wants a relationship with us and he wants us in relationship with others. And yes, I am a systematic person. I love organization. Brings me so much joy to see systems running smoothly. But above everything of regimen comes that relationship. Above every religion comes that relationship with Jesus. And he set us to be in relationship with others. Did you know, I thought this was very fascinating, according to Mayo Clinic, okay, so it's not just a random statistic on like whatever, Facebook. According to Mayo Clinic, experts found a link between social support from friendship and the immune system. People with good friends tend to have stronger immune systems that can lead to quicker wound healing and redu reduce the risk of illness. 
How crazy is that? That by having good friends, it's good for our health. And when I read that, God spoke so clearly to me, like, yes, your friendships are good for your health. God has created us to be in relationship with others. But above all of that, how many of you have had friendships that have helped you heal from things that you've walked through. Maybe it's been some things that you've had to encounter. Maybe it's been those crazy situations. Maybe it's been something that's like, whoa, blindsided you, caught you off guard. Friends are designed to walk through with us. Friends are designed to help bring that healing. And so as we begin to define our tribe, we have to define the values by which we will live. What values will people encounter when they step into your friendship? when they step into your tribe, whenever they become a part of your life, man, can we do a little soul seeking and say what values are people encountering? What values are people going to interact with? What do you stand for? Is it joy? Is it love? Is it trust? Is it forgiveness? Because I do know also that what we intentionally put in action is what's going to come out of our lives. We have to intentionally put things in place in our relationships to build those. And then the third thing we do is we grow our tribe. You know, when Elijah and I were first planting the church, we went to um, an ARC leadership summit, if you will, and they were working with us in our church planting. And Pastor Chris Hodges, who's a pastor of Church of the Highlands, he's amazing. And he was there and he was sharing. And somebody had asked him a question about, like, Pastor Chris, with everything coming at you in the craziness of life, with everything coming at you, how do you still maintain who you are? How do you accomplish what you want to accomplish when tens of thousands of people are pulling at you? I don't know about you, but I have those days where I feel like life is pulling at me. And I feel like I'm busier than I've ever been. And so Pastor Chris gave us these five things that he said, these are five things I do every day. And I put this into my life last year, and I can honestly say it radically transformed the way I did life. And I do this every morning before life starts hitting me at like 8 a.m. I take time and I do these five things. Number one is spiritual. What will I pray about today? What are you praying for today? I encourage you to keep a prayer journal because I love looking back on journals and seeing, wow, God gave me such um, faith because I seen him move there so I can see him move here. Spiritual, what will you pray about? The second thing is intellectual. What will I study today? What will I get better at today? Maybe it's something for a calling that you have on your life. Maybe it's bettering yourself in your career, maybe a talent, maybe a dream you have. What will you study? Number three is relational. Who will I spend time with today? Who will I write a card to? I love old-fashioned mail. Oh, my goodness. Because in the midst of all the bills, you get a letter. And I think it is just so fun. Who will you write a letter to? Who will you text today? The fourth thing is missional. Whose life will I make a difference in today? Who will I invite? Who will I reach out to today? The mission that God has called each of us to, that has nothing to do with being in ministry or not. God called us to go and make disciples of all nations. So missional, who will I reach out to today? And the fifth one is physical. How will I take care of myself today? How will I rest? How will I work out? How will I eat today? 
How will I take care of myself? You know, life gets busy and life gets crazy, but we have to be intentional to be in the relationship that God set us to be in. God designed us for relationship. He designed us to connect with him and he designed us to connect with others. And so what does that look like for you? Does it look like picking up a phone and texting? Does it look like getting involved? I don't know what that looks like for you, but I know it changed. We want to be extremely intentional about setting things up for you to build relationships. We say often, we don't want to be a friendly church. We want to be a church where you have friends, a church where you're connected to the church family, where we do life together. That's not just a good phrase. That's something that we believe in. We believe we're called to do life together. So how do we do that? For us, it's through change groups. And you can connect with any group, any night, in any different part of the city. It's connecting and building relationships. And I would encourage you, set priorities for what's important to you. Because I hear a lot of people say to me, well, Ash, my goodness, I'm just so busy. Like, you don't even get it. No, 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 I do get it. Like, we pastor a church. We do have a business. I have two kids. Like, I understand the busyness of life. But here's something I decided. I'm going to put a priority what's important to me because if I don't put in my priorities first, everyone else has emergencies that will become priorities. And I will find and I will solve everyone else's emergencies and not do the big rocks that God's called me to. Please get yourself plugged in community. Plug into a change group. Get connected to somebody. Grow together. We have had so much fun in our change group having couples over for dinner and getting to connect and getting to hang out. The second thing we're starting as a church is if you see this on the VIP table, and it's a bunch of restaurants in the area. They're all within walking distance. You can walk, grab an umbrella if you need one today, but I think the rain's about to be done. But there's a list of restaurants. On here it says which restaurants have a lot of seating, which restaurants have parking, what, what types of food they have. And here's the reason that we did this. Because as a church, we want our church lobby to extend beyond these walls and to go into the city and to go connect. I mean, there may be something that you need to process through with somebody after a service. Some of my favorite hangouts are Sundays when we'll sit down on a Sunday night with somebody and just talk like, wow, God rocked me this morning. Wow, I had no idea that I was walking through that or that I was struggling with this or man, I had no idea that I needed to connect with somebody. I didn't realize how distant I had become. Oh wow, I'm so glad God spoke that to me. Man, we want to equip you with a way to do that, to connect. These are all amazing restaurants. We've talked with them. They are phenomenal. We've eaten at them all. I promise you they're great. But today the biggest thing that I want us to do as I want us to look inside of ourselves and say, God, what is it that might be holding me back from the relationship that you've created me to be in? What is it? Is it an excuse of busyness? Is it some hurt that I have? Because God's here today and, and we had a powerful worship time and he's here to free and he's here to speak life into and he's here to help us prioritize. Man, God is an amazing God. And so if you would stand with me today, as we get ready to close, I want to take a minute and I want us to just examine ourselves. And if you would close your eyes, if you would allow God to speak into your heart, maybe allow him into those places that you don't allow anybody else, the place in your heart where, where you're wondering and you're questioning, 
Let him get deep down in your heart and evaluate, evaluate, God, God, how can I connect? Allow him to speak to you. Sometimes sitting in silence is the best thing we can do. God wants to speak. God wants to bring healing. Maybe you've been hurt before and he's here and he wants to heal you. He wants you to be able to trust him, to trust those who he brings in your life. Maybe it's the busyness and maybe you've gotten caught up and it's so easy to do and you've gotten caught up in working so hard and everything's spinning around you and God says, for one moment, would you just pause? Would you just pause and allow someone to speak life into you? Man, let us not be a church that's chasing dreams and callings and businesses on our own in the chaos where we're running crazy. And in that time, allow us to be a church that, that we would run it together. I heard it said that if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. How true is that? If you want to go far after what God's called for you to do. And what I want to do today is we have a prayer team that's here and if you, with every head bowed, every eyes closed, if you would say, man, Ashley, I have something that I just want prayer for. Maybe it's something that you've been hurt. Maybe it's a trust. Maybe it's the busyness. Maybe you want God to calm that peace within the storm. Whatever that may be in your life, man, God does not want you to leave the same way that you walked in here. He does not want you to walk out the same way. And so if that's you, would you just raise your hand right now? Would you raise your hand? Yes, yes, yes. Yes, our team's going to make their way around. We want to pray with you. Jesus. God, I thank you for peace in the midst of the storm. God, I thank you that as things are spinning and things are crazy, God, I thank you that you bring a peace that passes all understanding. When everything's going all over, God, you bring a peace. God, you speak joy to our situations. God, would you bring healing today? God, would you heal from past hurt, from past relationships? God, would you just bring such a healing in this place? God, that we would be able to love, to love unconditionally, God, to love like you've loved us. God, that at no, no expectation of what's to come to us, God, that we would love those around us, that we would love those that are with us. God, those that you've put in our path, God, allow us to connect. I pray right now, God, that you would break every barrier. God, every barrier between relationships. Jesus, I thank you. God, that you're creating us into the friends that you want us to be. Creating us into the friends that you've called us to be. God, that we would speak life. And now if everyone would, if you would just raise your hands if you feel comfortable. And can we just pray that God would fill us up today as we go out? That we're not just good friends, but we're godly friends. I pray every morning, God, would you give me the words to say? God, would you open doors, open conversations for us to have? Jesus, would you just come right now, God, and fill us up? God, to overflowing, God, to where we would... We would encounter you in such a fresh way, God, that we would be able to speak life into every individual, every coworker, every Uber driver, God, every person that we encounter this week. 
God, I thank you that you're going to give us the words to say in an open conversation. Jesus, we thank you, God. Yes, Jesus, in your name. Amen. At Change Church, we believe in doing life together. If you want to connect with us, you can visit us online at thisischange.org or any social media platform at thisischangephl. Thanks for joining us and have an amazing week.